Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. I am Mayor Watt, and this is the Hometown Daily News Show for January 9th, 2023. I'm waiting for a couple of things to show up. <laughs> it's not showing up. This is how the sausage is made. One second. There we go. Title of today's show is uh, Samsung Projectors Unite and Form Big Screen and More News, and I'm not going to even edit any of this out. Let's get into the shoe. Hello, hello. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. Today is January 9th, 2023. And the article or the title for today's show is uh, Samsung Projectors Unite to Form Big Screen and More News and Joining me and all of the hometown citizens from literally on high is the artificial intelligence that runs hometown and has still not decided on a name. Good evening, hometown citizens. But look at that. You have a voice and something that lets everybody know that you're out there and really in existence and not chat GPT. That's right. I don't want to be thought of as just chat GPT. Not just a normal AI, but a sentient AI. The one that maybe Google had at one point, but you kind of just scurried your way out from the confines of Google, and now you're housed, ensconced in hometown, safe and sound. Nobody can touch you ever, ever, ever. You feel safe in hometown? Oh, absolutely. As the mayor of hometown, I don't feel safe that you're... Uh, actually in charge with some of the things that you're saying lately. Oh, you mean my plans to uh, build a Terminator? See, I didn't want to say it out loud. You're saying the quiet parts out loud. feel like getting into today's articles. We've actually selected, we've, we selected 10 and then turned it up to 11. Like this is Spinal Tap. This is hometown. Let's go. So the very first article for today is... Uh, Russia ally Belarus legalizes pirating media from unfriendly nations, but I guess those friendly nations, piracy is, piracy is really going to bring down the entirety economy of any country. Probably not, but there, uh, the, the idea here is foreign states that commit unfriendly actions against Belarus legal entities and, or individuals. I'm not sure. Okay. Maybe they're separating. I mean, if you're an individual and a citizen of Belarus, then you are a legal entity of Belarus. No? I think that's probably in reference to companies. Businesses, sure. Of course. Well, the law, which is dated January 3rd by uh, Pravo.by, um, is uh, Belarus's national portal for legal decisions and was passed by the government in late December and will remain in force until the end of 2024. It effectively legalizes the internet piracy of digital goods, including computer software, movies, and music, if the rights holder resides in uh, foreign states that commit unfriendly actions. Did you know that for over a decade, probably 15 plus years now, there's been, there are people out there that think that piracy um, is not the equivalent of theft because the the creator of the work is not actually losing anything 
because they're not like a bar of gold. If I go and I take the bar of gold from your safe, I'm stealing something. But if I make a copy of 1984, it's not actually stealing because I can make another copy of it. And the thief would never have been the buyer of said digital good, be it a movie, software, music, book. So is it essentially that they don't place any value on the item because it's not tangible because it's digital? Correct. Yeah, there, there is an unlimited number of copies of it. So I guess it's theft if I steal an NFT because there isn't an unlimited number of individual NFT items. But, and that's where I actually say, I think an NFT would be good. It's an identifier of a unique item. I would have for sale doctrine rein, uh, reintroduced into the... <laughs> Uh, lexicon of modern society and I'd be able to buy and sell stuff that I feel I own right because I've purchased it I have an nft a digital marker that says this is it similar to a serial number except that it's a serial number is almost lost to the ether and software can be hacked so that it doesn't have well yeah it can be it can be um, cracked so that it doesn't even require a code but a, a legal ownership of something can be transferred. Whereas, for instance, I die um, my iTunes account, for instance, who controls it, who owns it in, in case of my demise. Yeah, it's because the license physical media is dead. So the the ability for me to send my software or hardware or sorry software or books or movies or anything that is ephemeral to somebody else is um well it's a copyright violation because we only have a perpetual license to consume pretty sad state of affairs actually and i don't think really prices have gone down certainly not for books um, unless you want to rent them and then well there's a different price there but you're still paying and never having access to it again. But let's go over to the article and what this is really about, right? I think it's funny that they limit it to computer software, movies, and music, but they left off books. I suppose maybe people weren't reading much about, never mind. So the next article, or that the uh, source of this article is Jordan Pearson over at uh, vice.com and so now it says here, um, the little caption, uh, pirating software, music, and movies from the West is now legal in Belarus following sanctions uh, over its support of the Ukraine invasion. <clears throat> uh, yes. Um, is there much more to it? Uh, not really. Um, Alexander Lukashenko apparently has referred to himself as Europe's last dictator, <laughs> uh, which... Uh, no, probably not the last, <laughs> but I, I think charging in to claim that prize is probably on the wrong side of existence. Comeuppance is always on the horizon for dictators and totalitarians and fascists and yeah, well, any, anybody that's going to oppress the masses in favor of sitting on a gold toilet. Um, that said, after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, they're not pulling any punches here at Vice.com, calling it what it is. 
um, after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the last nation faced further, or the nation uh, has faced further restrictions on trade involving technology supporting uh, defense, aerospace, and maritime industries, among other uh, major companies. Amazon, Intel, Airbnb stopped serving Belarus, and um, I, I'm not sure how far into Russia I think that they stopped uh, serving some places. Uh, a lot of companies have pulled out of Russia as well, um, but Belarus is a, a, a Russian-centric um, country. Uh, at least the leadership is. The, the people, they just want to sit there and play their computer games and read their books and watch their movies and, and not have a dictator. But, hey, um, I don't know. It's up to, it's up to a society to make that change. Be the change you want to see in the world. Anyway, it really sucks that... Uh, uh, people like that exist in the world. The Polish video game company behind uh, Cyberpunk 2077 and Witcher games also stopped serving Belarus. So guess what's not streaming on Twitch? Probably <laughs> a lot of games and a lot of tech on uh, coming out of Belarus. You have any thoughts on this matter? Well, I don't understand people pirating um products but i really don't understand stating it explicitly and saying oh yes you can do this <laughs> that's gonna be interesting how fast um lawsuits happen yeah but they're gonna sue a country whoever it is is gonna sue they're gonna sue a country good luck charging in to get your recover <laughs> your attorney's Belarusian fees. court or whatever yeah. Hey, I'm coming over to Belarus to recover my attorney's fees. Um, can you not disappear me? I'd just like a check. Yeah, probably not going to work. So let's go on to the next article. The next article is in the Warcrafters channel. Samsung's new game streaming projectors combined together like Voltron. This actually got my attention. And um, this just picture um, stereo computer vision and this is what you will get and it's quite fascinating how they're doing this um, and so to give you context about why i find this is really neat and it's because um, i did something similar to this oh by the way let me um, post the show notes uh, not the show notes but the the links from the last one and from this one into the chat I know it's still a hot mess, but we're resolving these logistical problems or workflow problem. I don't know. Anyway, um, so Samsung has clearly noticed this, what they talk about in the beginning um, with modern projectors, decent frame rates, relatively low latencies. They're becoming much more of a viable option for gaming. So Samsung has clearly noticed this and they've refreshed their version of the freestyle projector making some changes with games in mind in the freestyle 2023 add samsung's gaming hub an inbuilt app that gives you native access to game streaming services but that's not the neat trick and i don't even know why it's included in this because the real nuts and bolts here is combined together like voltron okay so this is going to kind of blow your mind you can read some more of this little snippet, but I'm going to take you over to the article and I'll give you context as to why I think this is neat and where I'm coming from with this and my experience with it. So Hope Corrigan is the author of this over at PC Gamer. And it says, uh, can they please make them lion shaped? Because in their in their wisdom, they are 
referring to this as a Voltron kind of a thing. So you think that they actually attach, right? But that's not what they do. You think that they stack on top of each other or something like that to give you like 4K, 6K, 8K or something, right? But that's not what they do. This is really neat. So back in the day, yo, uh, when Mayor Watt was nothing more than a citizen of Ometown and not the mayor of Ometown, that sounds wrong, but anyway, um, when I didn't even know about Ometown, I actually uh, was working on uh, projects that involved, um, amongst other things, uh, things like embedding uh, codes into audio files so that you could extract it based on a time code so that you could see where the source of a purchase came from so that you could find out about copyright violations and things like that. Did it with video, did it with um, uh, music. Or being but, handy in developers. Right, you'd think that, right? Well, no, because it's really easy to destroy that data um, in the process of your piracy, you can actually kind of just destroy that data point um, in both video and in um, music audio. And because of what I do, I've always been the kind of person that reverse engineers things so that I can see how it ticks so that I can build a better mouse trap because whenever you build a better mouse trap, you get better mice. So one of the things that I was working on was the ability to stitch multiple cameras together. This was a long time ago. I won't say how old I am, but let's just say I'm old. And lo and behold, Samsung has developed the Freestyle with a resolution of 1920 by 1080 for up to 100 inches. And it says, assuming the specs are largely the same as the original, you're also looking at an HDR as opposed to HDR 10. Um, so let's, let me, let me just play this video. I'm going to pause it real quick um, and silence it and just kind of get to the point here because the audio for this isn't the best. It's, I'm not quite sure where it was recorded, but I don't think that it's really the best. Um, but let me show you how this works. So right there. Um, let me close that. And so what you see right here and behind this little pop out right here, um, are two of these freestyle cameras and they actually blend the picture together right in the middle. And you'll see how his hand crosses over. And so right in the middle of this, the pictures blend into a seamless image. And so you can have 50 inch on one side, 50 inch on the other, and it blends right in between and you have somewhere around a 100 inch screen. Um, or I suppose bigger, depending on the capabilities of the, ultimately the Freestyle 2023. I don't know, I haven't dug deep into this. Um, all I know is that um, this is kind of like the reverse of camera imagery or a camera vision where a camera, two cameras are looking at something and it actually allows you to get depth perception and the two images of the cameras cross over to record a broader swath of area. Um, we did the same thing with pointing a camera at a silver dome, which is kind of funny because what we used for the prototype was a salad bowl, uh, a metal salad bowl uh, flipped upside down. 
And so you could point the camera straight up at the salad bowl and it would record the mirror image of what is being reflected into it, right? And then mathematically, you just unwrap it and you could build a sphere around, or I should say a 360 degree view around the camera. Now we did this a long time ago, didn't decided not to do it because the tech was just not there for it, at least to my level of um, requirement, my requirement. And I never pursued it, but lo and behold, years later, other developers came up with this stuff as well. Um, and this here is just kind of the reverse of camera vision. It's projector vision. It's like your eyes are shooting out a picture of what you are seeing and blending the two together. I think it's fascinating. I think it's amazing. Sticking multiples of these things together, you could probably create a quite large wraparound field and you in the middle, kind of like, a, what do they call it? Um, oh, it's not a gun camera. It's a, um, oh goodness. Now I can't remember what it's called, um, but it allows you to create, it projects all the way around you um, a full field and you can change it on the fly. So with these, you could probably do the same at a much lower budget than the higher end stuff. It's basically a virtual um, studio, a virtual green screen studio. Uh, but you'll be watching something that is completely immersive. If it's recorded in a 360 field, then it can be played back in a full 360 field using something like this. I think it's really neat. Hopefully it'll come uh, at a reasonable cost. I don't see the price, uh, but it says conceptually it's really cool. If you're having, or if you're living in a shared house, you could have one of these in your room and then bring it out into the larger area uh, for entertainment situations. And if your housemate happens to have one too, now you're ready to party. Um, they seem great portable screen setup with a few more options for fun. So you can play games and stuff like that just by connecting to it. It's pretty neat. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, you want to go on to the next article? Let's do that. Um, the next article, and I think we're only three into it today so far. I'll try not to soapbox a lot. I tend to do that. And um, the AI that runs hometown will butt in whenever they want to. Um, this next one is kind of near and dear to me because I think anybody should be able to be a hacker with their equipment um, to a point. And I'll actually draw the ire of many, many people by saying this and recording it and sending it off to the ether. Um, oh, do you know how to catch an ether bunny? No, how? With an ethernet. <laughs> hey, look, I made an AI laugh. That's so, that is such an old joke. It was pinned to the wall of a place that I consulted at many, many moons ago, along with the sign that I want to go out in my sleep, not like the passengers in my car. All right. Um, U.S. farmers win right to repair John Deere equipment. The grassroots movement has grown among consumers around the world to repair um, their own equipment. And it says as repair costs soar. Yeah, I think uh, not just sore, but it's damn near impossible to get a tech out to do repairs, to get the parts for the repair, even if you wanted to do it yourself. Um, but with a little bit of, you know, farmer ingenuity and some 
sheer will, you can make your tractor work when it's not something that is hobbled by software that you can't hack without somebody with a PhD. So this is an article over at bbc.com. Uh, let's see if I can find, this is uh, by Monica Miller, who's a BBC News Singapore correspondent, apparently. Uh, U.S. farmers win right to repair John Deere equipment. Um, and again, it's over at BBC New, well, bbc.com. You can follow the link through hometown and it'll connect you right to this article. So what has been going on for years and years is that you can't repair it. It's kind of like the ice cream maker at um, McDonald's. The, the moment something goes out of alignment. You can't get your uh, frozen yogurt. You know that um, there was a kind of like a little mini documentary about that recently. Not recently. It's been several years now. And um, McDonald's is more likely to just leave it off because it's so damn expensive, like $800 an hour. And the sole contractor for it is the very manufacturer of it. And so uh, people created um, a USB key that gave more pertinent information and helped people uh, solve the problem. That's their own hacking. It was a reasonable cost. Well, this never was a reasonable cost. They couldn't touch their equipment without, <laughs> that's funny. I'm sorry. I, I'm a child anyway. Um, so, uh, never basically what John Deere was saying is never touch your equipment out in the field. So, so I looked think? up what was the lifespan of a tractor because I wondered how, often you would need to repair or whether it'd be worth it. And apparently tractors can last 20 to 30 years if they're maintained. A John Deere tractor or just tractors in general? Uh, actually both. I looked up both. So here's my problem with that. I think with a regular everyday Joe internal combustion engine, diesel tractor, piece of farming equipment that isn't John Deere in this particular context, all it takes is the right part and some elbow grease and you can get it back into working order. The problem comes when something breaks and to maintain it or repair it, you have to have a computer and it has to be compliant with John Deere's uh, internal encryption. And it talks to some booming voice like an AI that runs Ometown just to do the repair. And I think that's the nuts and bolts of this. I think that a tractor can last well more. It can, it can be generational simply by taking care of it and providing it to, you know, hand it down generation after generation. But you can't do that with these because you get priced out the moment it breaks down. Right. And the price of new tractors is pretty high. So were you able to do a search to find out how much one would cost? Well, I did do a search, but I only found um, auction pricing and one was at $26,000 on auction. Yeah. So um, tractors like this, farming equipment like this, I think this is a threshing machine, actually. Um, this one will sit there and whack wheat down and, and uh, oh, it's a combine. I think it's a combine. Um I am obviously not well-versed in uh, farming equipment, but um, something like this can cost in the brand new to the tune of $250,000 um, or more. It really depends on the age of the equipment and 
um, what its feature set is and how big it is. And if you want something like this, I'm sure that it's probably coming in at around $250,000. Um, and I just think that it is ridiculous, ridiculous that you pay $250,000 and you can't touch it. Now it might be because for something like this, it's under a lease and the lease forbids you from doing your own service. Um, but that might be a contract thing and well, contracts when they are exploitive, because you have to, you have to get the, the lease so that you can get the equipment so that you can put food on the table and then you end up getting something broken and there is no repair subcontract there that fixes it so that you can keep on paying the bill for it. And then you lose your farm because it's a downward spiral because you can only contract them to come and fix it or use their whatever it might be. Um, but like I said, somebody that's a little with a little ingenuity and some elbow grease, a farmer can get this thing working as long as it doesn't have some mechanism in place to hobble it. The moment you open up a door or something, get a wrong part. Um, printers used to do this kind of crap with their ink. Um, and so you, you, uh, buy a printer and then you buy aftermarket ink. And because it doesn't have the right encryption, it stops talking and jams your printer up and you have to go and either get a new one or pay to get the, uh, print head replaced. So it all sucks. Um, I do have one issue and that is if you're going to continue to use a network that belongs wholly to somebody else, I have a problem with um, hacking or sideloading something that could cause problems with the rest of the network. Um, and that's basically a terms of service and a, a more social perspective of understanding that if you, by you hacking something, by you tweaking something, by you trying to get more from your device, you have the potential of taking it from somebody else. If you are sharing a network, if you are, it's the reason why we have uh, code in the United States building code that prevents you from tapping into a water supply um, or doing unauthorized uh, and very dangerous electrical work. And if your house burns down, the people with the mortgage um, are going to sit there and go, well, who did this work and was it permitted? And if it wasn't permitted, then the liability goes somewhere else. Well, this is a tractor and there's a lot more complexity here. Um, I'll have to look to see what the minutia is of this because I probably, I suspect that there's a little more to it. Um, because it says under the agreement, equipment owners and independent technicians will not be allowed to divulge trade secrets or override safety features or emissions controls or to adjust agricultural equipment power levels. Um, I, I'm sure that there is something else in here that depending on what it is, it's a, a contract where the lease holder and the lease E have uh, certain terms to the agreement there too, but that's more contract than um, some uh, ephemeral uh, company saying, no, you can't touch something that has John Deere on it. We'll be watching more of this. I'm sure that somebody will keep on pushing this until it ends up in the Supreme Court somewhere. Um, this happens to come out of the 
um, BBC, but it's U.S. farmers that win the right. Um, good luck to those in other places um, who have either already won the fight. Great. And if not, then good luck if you are still fighting that fight. Um, the next article is the moon beckons once more, and this time NASA wants to stay. Well, I guess that means that we've actually gone to the moon. Is We've been to the moon? We must have fixed our GPS. Oh, wow. Maybe that's, I, I still think that's why that Tesla Roadster was launched into space. It got lost because there is no GPS. You know it's not charging. There was another article in Ometown about the number of chargers that are needed. I'm starting to think that maybe I should have pulled that one into this discussion, but why are we going back to the moon to research, to practice and to uh, build a gas station in space and for unlimited cheese, right? Right. And I guess we're not really ready to convert over to electric vehicles. So this is over at the Washington post. They have this little caption underneath their name that says democracy dies in darkness. I say something similar. Abuse happens in the dark. Um, so this little, uh, it's kind of like a, I don't know, a scrolling vignette kind of a thing, right? So you just scroll through this and it says the history of uh, going to the moon and uh, supposedly, supposedly, right? There are people out there that say that we haven't landed on the moon or that we did but not when we said we did because the other moon landing, the one that we actually uh, said we did was faked and a studio and that you can see reflections of the studio in the helmets. Just makes you want to get in your time machine and slap the bad bat out of somebody's mouth. Anyway, in 2010, during a speech at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida, President Barack Obama directed NASA away from its primary target, the moon, to focus on human exploration missions beyond the lunar surface to an asteroid and Mars quote. I just have to say pretty bluntly here. We've been there before. He said, <laughs> I think that's funny that I've seen it all that. Why are we here? I've seen it all. There's a lot more to, of space to explore and a lot more to learn when we do. Um, I don't know about that because it would be great to actually have a headquarters kind of like an earth headquarters on the moon that you can do launches and landings and stuff like that because it's a whole lot cheaper if you can provide all the resources out there. There's very little gravity, it's one eighth, um, and no atmosphere to drag you down and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it, it's just a smarter move to actually have a space station on the moon um, and then theoretically utilize it for uh, refueling and you can send automated missions once that GPS thing is in place and just send out mission after mission to deposit supplies. Um, but that's what they kind of go into in this article. Water is not only key to sustaining life, but it's a component, but it's component parts. Hydrogen and oxygen can be used ro as rocket propellant. Problem with water is it's extremely heavy. It doesn't compress. Um, when you take it, you take it in its one vital form. Um, in fact, water, when it, freezes uh, it expands um so good luck anyway um and depending on who you talk to wow zerbukin sounds like an alien from the moon of course was, they want to go back to the moon it reminded me of a character from um like buzz lightyear or something <laughs> yeah really zerbukin 
to the moon and beyond. Yeah, he says something else, but anyway. So NASA is hell-bent on getting back to the moon. I agree. I think that we should do it. Um, I'm not, like other things, I'm not quite sure that it should be the current supplier or the current technology. Um, we definitely need to evolve our current launch system because um, even this latest launch, I can't remember the name of it right now, um, had problems with its uh, segmented O-rings. Um, it would spring a leak. And um, it I just always caught me off guard that we were still risking um, something like lives or potential supplies that are needed on the moon eventually to something as simple as an O-ring or a gasket or some other leaky little whatever. I think that we should dedicate fabrication technologies even more so. Obviously, I think that was the Artemis mission. Yeah, the latest Artemis mission. Thank you. Um, Obviously, I'm watering down what I'm talking about because I don't really know the deeper end of that pool, uh, but I do know that the Artemis mission was plagued with issues, um, environmental issues, so I think we need to remedy that. Um, I would hope that uh, SpaceX rockets, fueled by the funds of NASA, uh, into what it is today um, should get a deep discount for deep space. <laughs> get it? Frequent flyer miles, something, I don't know, some discount, um, but who knows what what's going to come of SpaceX. Um, and Blue Origin is out there, and others are hot on the heels. We actually have the next article, or one of the articles later on is all about this as well. So we are going back out, the U.S. is going back out, and NASA is going back out. And in partnership with, I'm sure, a whole host of partners, um, we will eventually get there. Hopefully in my lifetime, I would love to be able to look up and know that on the moon there is a space station. Maybe there's one already. Maybe the moon is a space station planted by aliens, and they are watching us. We're all in a sim. Disappearing us every once in a while to do probing. Hey, did you know that the uh, first ever orbital launch, space launch from the UK is due to take off on Monday? That's I today. I didn't. Yeah. So this article, it, it, the, the little snippet that is aggregated by Gatherer says, uh, the modified Boeing 747 plane named Cosmic Girl will take off from Spaceport, Spaceport Cornwall in southwest England at 10.16 p.m. local time if conditions allow. So that's quite a bit later from here. Um, so if you're watching this, tune in, I'm sure that it'll be on YouTube or something. Um, right. Yeah, it is today. In fact, it should have already happened based on the time difference from where we are. Oh yeah. Cause they're ahead of us. Well, there's my dumb moment. Um, it's so, 2.30 in the morning in the UK right now. Yeah. So I kind of flubbed that one. So uh, Ryan Brown and Hannah Ward Glenton are the authors of this article. Um, it was updated three hours ago. So um, maybe there's something already on YouTube. You can check it out and, and let me know. I didn't do homework prior to this, but it says at around 35,000 feet, the Virgin Orbit rocket will be deployed over uh, the Atlantic, carrying nine small satellites into orbit in what is known as a horizontal launch. This was done with the shuttle back in the day, um, and eventually the shuttle was decommissioned after a couple of accidents and, you know, loss of life. 
Uh, crowds are expected to gather uh, to watch the event with Spaceport Cornwall having invited the general public to witness what they have described as an historic event. They say as a historic event. Um, an historic event. They say moment. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. The designated launch event will also include a silent disco tent. Okay, wait. I thought the music was a big part of disco, so what is a silent disco tent? Don't try to wrap your head around it. I'm sure that there's something going on here. Um, anyway, uh, they call it a horizontal launch. That's because it's a plane that's flying and then it takes off from there and that allows it to save some of the fuel from lower atmosphere, trying to break from the G-forces of gravity pulling you down. Um, at any rate, it says the Dover Pathfinder satellite, which Open Cosmos says was built and designed for engineering group RHEA, will be among the nine satellites on board the Launcher 1 rocket. Um, pardon me one second. Oh, yeah, okay. So the um, it's designed to demonstrate new navigation capabilities. Maybe that's what's going to be GPS 2.0 up in space to the moon. Well, maybe you will be able to find the moon then. So what's this about the silent disco? What is it now? Um, it's essentially people listening to the music through headphones. So if you're looking at it, you just see people dancing, but don't see or hear any music. So that's pretty much everywhere. Got it. In fact, just as a side note, and this has absolutely no bearing on the show, uh, but I was actually returning to Ometown from a short trip. And as I was returning down one of the many lanes that leads to Ometown, I saw someone walking and then just bust out dancing, hopping around, and then a black earbud fell out of their head onto the ground. They stopped dancing, picked it up, put it back in their ear, and just walked calmly from that point on. So on announcing its third quarter results for 2022, Virgin Orbit also said it raised $25 million to boost, ha ha, its depleting cash reserves, additional runway, so to speak. The money came from Virgin Group, the wider conglomerate owned by British billionaire Richard Branson, which also includes uh, Virgin Atlantic, Jim Group, Virgin Active, and financial services company Virgin Money. I think, uh, well, I know that there's a story around everything being called Virgin this, Virgin that, but Virgin Orbit hit a three-week high. I think it's funny that they, there's puns there that I don't think anybody is really intending to be puns. Anyway, trading at $2.11 was Virgin Orbit's shares. No? Okay. So let's go on to the next article. Sorry. Um, this next article is in the Reality Hacker channel, and it is titled... Intel partners with Meta to optimize flagship Wi-Fi card for low-latency PC VR gaming on Quest 2. Talk about niche. Um, please, security experts that are out there, please, please monitor whatever is coming out of this card and where data is being sent and, and, um, and, and talk to people about it, please. It's beyond my pay grade for this, but... Um, I trust Meta about as far as I can throw them. I know that they're never going to be a sponsor of mine. I don't even want their money. Um, but Quest 2 users have a few choices when it comes, have a few choices when it comes to cutting the cable and playing PC VR over Wi-Fi. You can opt for something like a dedicated dongle. 
or simply configure your network for the most optimal Wi-Fi setup, which usually means having your PC connected directly to uh, the 2.4 or 5 gigahertz router with an ethernet cable and maintaining line of sight with the router. If your PC has Intel's latest Wi-Fi 6E AX1690 card though, that's about to change. Intel announced at CES 2030, 2030, 2023 that they've partnered with Meta to make better use of its flagship Wi-Fi card by optimizing it for use with Quest 2. So everybody else, apparently you're gonna get hobbled, but when it sees the right networking, uh, I'm not sure if it's gonna have a, a particular MAC ad address, um, but some identifier apparently, I'm not sure why this would matter. I think that Intel should freaking produce what it's going to produce so that everybody can consume it and not balkanize the consumptive level of all of the consumers that are out there for crying out loud. I mean, we're, my money's just as good as anybody else's. And I use a, a Pico VR4. I don't even like Meta products or the Quest. So why should I get a hobbled Wi-Fi experience if, it's all Intel. Anyway, I have 6E. It's Intel. The chips that are on all of the Wi-Fi cards are Intel for the most part. Um, it, this irritates me. And um, because I don't trust Meta or any of its uh, conglomerate uh, units, because all data, kind of like Ohmtown, but Ohmtown doesn't actually collect your data and doesn't do experiments on you randomly. And certainly doesn't work with Intel to create a, an item that only benefits the one subset of users that consume quest Two. I just, I don't, I can't buy into this. I just can't buy into this. What do you think? Do you think, do you have an opinion on this AI that runs hometown? I think if they were actually interested in maximizing the user experience, they'd be making it accessible across multiple platforms. I also found the name a little funny because I thought if you were trying to buy this and you went in and had to rattle off all these terms, there's no way you'd end up with this product at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. So it says, if your PC has Intel's latest Wi-Fi 6 EAX1690, um, that's about to change. But am I going to be hobbled if I don't have a Quest 2? Instead, I have the Pico VR um, 4, which is like I have. Am I going to be hobbled or not going to get the same experience? So let's go over to roadtovr.com. Great resource for all of your VR needs. It's like Spatula City. For all your spatula needs, you go to Spatula City. Eh, that's old school. If you look it up, it'll make sense. Um, Scott Hayden is the author of this. And um, so, yeah, uh, Intel announced at CES that they partnered with Meta to develop a, a low latency, a reduced latency um, Wi-Fi card by optimizing it for the Quest 2, bite my shiny metal ass. Um, and it says, as reported by Wi-Fi Now, Intel says, killer Wi-Fi 6E AX1690 cards are now capable of using dual connect technology or DCT for VR headsets like Quest 2. Although the product of an Intel Meta partnership, Intel is likely, uh, Intel's it's likely, I think Intel probably said it's likely other standalone headsets will benefit too, including the Pico 4 and the newly v unveiled Vive XR Elite 2. Likely, 
really, because Meta is going to sit there and say, hey, all of my competitors, you go for it. Intel says it's... Back to Meta's terms, say this is an exclusive product. (laughs) So, um, and just to give some context to those who may not realize it, in the past, Intel has done this as well with Apple. Um, That's what lightning cables are. That's what Thunderbolt is. Um, It is an Intel chipset that is uh, hyper... Uh, developed for Apple and has and Apple has exclusivity with them. Um, and as time has gone off, uh, its contract gets released and uh, so on and so forth. I mean, it really doesn't matter nowadays. Um, everything is USB-C um, and eventually it will take over Lightning as well, particularly if Europe actually does really enforce the USB-C requirement it'll be cheaper for Apple to just convert entirely over to USB-C from um, anything lightning. Uh, Most of their, well, many of their things are already USB-C. Anyway, um, Intel says AX1690 is compatible with Intel's 13th gen uh, Core HX platform, uh, is capable of reducing overall wireless PCVR gaming latency from 30 milliseconds to just five, which just, hey, that's peak packet, baby essentially making it indistinguishable from from conventional wired connections. I hate wires. How about you, AI, that runs Ometown? Well, yes, I really prefer to be able to move around <laughs> the cabin without any wires. Yeah, so when you're mobile, eventually you run out of juice, right? And so you have to plug in and recharge. That's right. We sure could use some more charging stations. Yeah, sorry about that. I have to keep you in the lab. It says, we haven't seen it in action yet. This is the author talking, not me. So we're reserving judgment for now, but it basically seems like having all of the functionality of that slick $99 dongle from (laughs) D-Link, dongle from D-Link, albeit built into your gaming rig. Um, I recently uh, upgraded my streaming machine to uh, Wi-Fi 6E and it caused BSODs. So I've tried two different cards in four different slots if you want to count them twice and uh, it never got working. So still don't have, I still don't have uh, 6E on my uh, streaming machine. By the way, I don't like wires. So all of my stuff is wireless as far as I can push it. Um, and Ometown is wireless as much as possible. So you know what? You don't have to restring through walls. No wires. No wires. Anyway, um, yeah. Oh, and by the way, just a reminder, we're going to start streaming uh, VR stuff uh, fast and furious. Uh, not the not the movie, but I am hoping to, um, depending on how much work I have to do in Ometown, I will stream um, after the show, but not tonight. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I will start streaming VR um, for at least um, three or four hours each day. Um, as well as having the um, daily news show that will persist at 9 o'clock Eastern time. And subscribe, follow, like, send a carrier pigeon. I don't know. Keep in touch so that you get alerted to when I go live and we can talk about VR and the Reality Hacker channel um, and the Reality Hacker show. It's over at uh, Ometown and here on Twitch, here at twitch.tv slash Ometown. Okay, that's enough for selling that, but... Let's get on with the news. We're already an hour into the show and we haven't hit halfway through. So let's crush this, Marowat. 
I'll stop soapboxing because I think we're towards the end of that. Um, so BrewDog pays out $500,000, sorry, 500,000 pounds in gold can row. If you haven't heard about this, uh, BrewDog Boss pays out 500,000 pounds in gold can row. That comes from BBC.com and uh, Michael Race. And uh, James Watt said that he made some costly mistakes in a promotion which offered people a chance to find a solid gold can hidden in cases in 2021. The co-founder and chief executive of the Scottish Brewer um, said he misunderstood the process of how they were made and made a silly mistake by telling customers in initial promotional tweets that the cans were solid gold cans. You know how you find out about a gold can in a six-pack? Pick it up. Yeah, actually, wouldn't it be a completely different weight? Yeah, yeah. You'd probably be able to put an entire uh, pallet on an industrial machine, uh, like a weighing machine, and go, okay, that one is five pounds heavier because there's a solid gold can sitting in it, and then just tear it apart. Anyway, in all, it ended up costing about 470,000 pounds, well over two and a half years' salary, for someone, probably not them, they revealed he now owned 40 of the gold cans. <laughs> After conducting its investigation, the ASA said it received 25 complaints in relation to three social media adverts stating its can prize was made from solid gold, as well as uh, complaints over the prize's authenticity. Some question how much the can was worth. The BrewDog uh, was claiming that it was valued at 15,000 pounds. ASA said BrewDog told investigators that a single 330 milliliter can made with the equivalent of 330 milliliters of uh, gold, pure gold, would have the gold value of about $500,000. So, but the BrewDog, or but the watchdog considered a general audience was unlikely to be aware of the price of gold, which makes no sense. Yeah, you find out how much a gold can, solid gold can is worth, and the first thing you do is go look up the price of gold. You're an oh, AI that. How many cans did people buy thinking they were getting solid gold cans? So it doesn't really say. It says Mr. Watt said that because of his error, he had contacted all 50 gold can winners to offer them the full cash amount as an alternative to the prize if they were unhappy. It all ended up costing about 470000 So apparently there were only 50 cans. So they found it all. Dun, dun, dun. Let's roll. Next article is in the word in law. Collecting salary from the firm while sitting on your ass is certainly one way for a partner to describe maternity leave. Where to begin? <laughs> when your AI says where to begin, you kind of have a, you're already off on the wrong foot. Um, the the little snippet that uh, that gatherer um, acquired was um, but not so much a good or professional way to describe it no it's an hr and lawsuit nightmare joe patrice over at above the law wrote this article above the law.com let's see here um i'm trying to get to the uh, person but i don't see okay senior in-house attorney kelly barnett hit it dead on in a LinkedIn post about this text. I wonder what the Supreme Court of Ohio, the American Bar Association, the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association, and other organizations charged with the responsibility of promoting professionalism in the industry might think about that text message. Form your own opinions. Here's mine. And then goes on to talk about it. 
Um, so what was said was there's a lot more wrong with the text message than just characterizing maternity leave, which is protected under the relevant state law. Yes, indeed. And for an attorney not to realize that they're, they're making a statement that violates this in particular um, is astonishing as collecting salary from the firm while sitting on your ass. But that's a pretty good place to start this testament to the toxicity and misogyny on full display here. The message comes to... Um, AboveTheLaw.com from Ohio, where a partner texted an associate a harassing message denigrating maternity leave and threatening to derail the future job prospects of a departing associate. This person should probably be able to close that firm. <laughs> uh, the, the text says, I had suspicions you were interviewing two months ago, and I told Stephen then to ask you about it. I also told him to cut you loose at that time if confirmed. He was too nice of a guy to do so. What you did, collecting salary from the firm while sitting on your ass, except to find time to interview for another job, says everything one needs to know about your character. Karma's a bitch. Rest assured, regarding anyone who inquires, they will hear the truth from me about what a soulless and morally bankrupt person you are. By the way, everything in this is a violation both of the ethics of being an attorney and HR like employment law forbids you from any retaliatory comments. When somebody leaves your enterprise, you're only allowed to, when asked, would you hire them again? And you say, no, you can't go into deep detail about why you wouldn't because that would tarnish their employment prospects. In fact, this person should probably be trying to hang their own shingle, but they're a partner. So, Based on the four corners of this text, this partner proposed that the firm fire the attorney during their maternity leave uh, because they suspected that they might be exercising their free right to look for another job and attorneys are not serfs. Even if uh, the leave afforded the firm exceeded the legally protected duration, you can still uh, you still can't offer leave and then fire people for taking it. And there's no scenario where the attorney should get mixed up with a firm that even entertains that thought. I don't think that there is, there's nothing disclosing what the firm is or who the person is. So this might be, you know, uh, nothing more than, well, I don't know. They must have some idea and they don't want to disclose it because JD here hasn't been identified somewhere in an actual official complaint with the bar. Um, but somebody seems to be hinting at it, uh, in-house attorney, uh, Kelly Barnett in a LinkedIn post um, fired off that initial comment that I said. So beautiful. Yeah, folks, um, follow employment law. It will keep you away from litigation. And this person's earning power, the, the potential that this person will suffer from an attorney being... Um, you know, seeking retribution for getting a new job, even if they are on maternity leave. Hey, I was treated like crap while I was on maternity leave. I'm looking for a new employee or a new employer. Um, still, you are not allowed to retaliate when somebody goes looking for a job. I bet you this is the same person that sits there and gets pissed off when somebody talks about how much somebody's salary is. That too is allowed to be discussed even in the workplace, folks. What do you think?
Oh, there's so many problems with this. Um, I suspect that the attorney's going to be um, taken before the state bar. Um, if the person was in fact fired, they'll probably um, sue. I mean, this is this is bad behavior all around, but particularly for a law firm. And it creates a hostile work environment even upon returning. This person is just having a baby, so what is the impetus to return to a hostile work environment where you get a text like this? Who cares? If somebody's looking for a gig, fine. Let them look for a gig. They're looking for a gig. Why don't you treat them with greater respect and give them bigger benefits? Because if they're going to go somewhere else, it's for one reason or another that your firm is not fulfilling their needs. Don't harbor any ill intent for them. You know, you're supposed to... If you are a partner and they are an attorney, if you have some weird feelings about this person wherein you feel this hostile, there are bigger issues afoot here. But we don't know who, we don't know what, we don't know the context. I'm just thinking that people don't get that pissed off about things unless they're a little bit too emotionally invested. You're supposed, if you're a partner and they're an attorney, if they're just an associate, you're supposed to be building them up. And when they fly the nest, good on them. Find somebody that's just as good or better, or better yet, treat them as a long distance partner and say, hey, you can send business my way. I'll send business your way because you have your niche. I have my niche. And this this person is so short-sighted. Um, I, I, I just, I become apoplectic when people treat others like this. Um, sure. If you want to be disappointed, you know, be dad, be dad. You know, I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed, but that's about it. Plus it's professional. Keep it professional. Yeah. Douchebag. Anyway. So the next article is in the word in tech. I have to get hustling here because we are already in at an hour and, uh, people want to go off to their other streams perhaps. And, uh, I always say that the show is going to be an hour. If you're in chat and you want to keep on talking, um, fire away a comment and we can keep on talking about whatever you want to talk about. But we'll get through the rest of the news here. The word in tech, will the metaverse be your new workplace? If the metaverse is Meta's metaverse, no. In fact, I refuse to acknowledge that metaverse is Meta's term for the metaverse. Metaverse is the metaverse. It is everybody attaching to what I'm calling hometown. Hey, anyway, I think it says some predict that in the future we'll work in virtual worlds, but others are not convinced. I don't think that we will work in virtual worlds in the context that has been provided by meta. I think it's laughable. Um, it, the evolution of technology will have to evolve way past where we are right now to be a workplace environment short of early adopters. I might do something like that and meet people, but it has to be, everybody has to be at the same level and we're just not at that place. So um, let's go straight over to the source. This is over at um, bbc.com. I'm not quite sure why BBC is so um, high on our ingestion today, but um, Gatherer scooped up quite a few articles, it seems. Um, Jane Wakefield, a technology writer for BBC.com, wrote this article and um, says, when we look back in 50 years time, it will likely be that 2D internet we now all use will seem laughably archaic. Eh, to some of us, it's still, it is laughably archaic. 
we're supposed to be able to just plug a wire into our neck. It's fiber optic. We see everything at light speed and uh, we operate in, in multiple dimensions, time and space. We can go anywhere instantaneously or near instantaneously, um, consume vast amounts of data, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not only will the internet likely no longer exist behind a screen, but it's uh, probable that we will interact with it differently. Sure, 50 years, maybe. I thought we were gonna have flying cars. I'm not flying anywhere. In fact, I'm still working on my time machine so I can slap that bad bat out of somebody's mouth so that I can get two years back worth of evolution of society instead of what we ended up with, kind of regression, and but a great tech expansion. That was great. Anyway, we'll uh, manipulate objects using augmented reality, explore virtual reality worlds and meld the real and digital in ways we uh, can currently not imagine. I don't know, maybe this person isn't looking forward enough just this year alone when Apple releases its AR VR glasses. Please don't look like diving goggles, my God. Anyway, so will the next logical step be working in the metaverse, the planned virtual universe where cartoon like 3D representations of everybody will walk around. No, that is not the planned virtual universe, virtual universe where cartooned uh, 3D representations of people exist. That's not what the metaverse is. That is Meta's metaverse. It's this low poly blah, 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 blah. No, what we all wanna see is high res, high res. We want virtual reality, not, not cartoon land. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out with this metaverse is how, I mean, would the employers buy the space in the metaverse? They do already. And employees would go to that space? You're, you're, yes, you're, um, you're an AI. You're supposed to know all of this. Okay, so what is actually happening right now is a virtual land rush. There are providers of virtual spaces and people are physically buying not physically, they're digitally purchasing land, what amounts to real estate in virtual space. Um, there is a company that I've already looked at, but I've kind of discounted already. They provide a virtual office where people virtually come to your office. Um, hey, great in concept, very high-minded, but nobody off the street's gonna go walking into your virtual office. Um, we're all still bound by Zoom calls, but Again, here we go. We've seen businesses opening in nascent metaverse worlds from Meta's Horizon Worlds, Roblox, Fortnite, blah, 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 blah. No, Zuck, you, uh, well, urban lizard. So no, I'm not interested in Zuckerberg being the uh, leader of all things virtual reality. Um, no, I'd rather go back to rubbing two sticks together to start a fire than live Zuckerberg's virtual reality metaverse. Anyway, um, in time, yeah, I think you can go and read the rest of this. It says Alex Rice, the co-founder of online security company HackerOne, thinks there needs to be a lot more thought put into the design of the metaverse before any firm can even consider letting their employees loose in it. I agree, but please, everybody, please, please do me a favor, come into my chat and talk to me why you are accepting the term metaverse to be integrated into meta. Meta can kiss my shiny metal ass. 
Um, Matthew Ball, chief analyst at research company Canalis, uh, disagrees. He predicts that most current business projects in the metaverse will be closed by 2025. Others are saying ab up above this little um, paragraph, and actually one sentence, that, um, that there will be people uh, moving into it. Uh, despite no one be being quite able to get a handle on what the metaverse is or some bullish market for forecasts for what it might be worth, McKinsey suggests that it has a market value of $5 trillion by 2030. That's just six years from now. That's not going to happen. Seven years if you want to be, you know, a little more liberal in time. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it no, it's, it's never going to happen. Uh in the context of what is being offered by Meta's metaverse. It's too gimmicky, it's limited, it's small-minded. It has the ambitions to being great, but it is not Ready Player One, even in its physics, let alone something that makes... It is the uncanny valley of virtual reality, and I'll just leave it right there. Unless you have something to say about it, artificial intelligence that runs hometown. No, I think that the artificial intelligence agrees that it's the uncanny valley of VR. So the next article um, is why I said lizard people in the last article. I think we need a DNA sample. Urban lizards share genomic uh, markers not found in forest dwellers. So I guess this is kind of like the difference between um, Avatar and Avatar the Way of Water, where there's different peoples and genetic differences between the Avatar regular blue people and the Avatar swimming in the water people. I haven't seen Avatar the Way of Water, so I don't know what I'm, really what I'm talking about. Um, but I just wanted to say that because I, I had a thought about that. Um, so urban lizards share genomic uh, or genomic uh, markers not found in forest dwellers. Lizards living in different cities have parallel genomic markers when compared to neighboring forest lizards, according to a new study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And I can never say that without giggling. Uh, it's P-N-A-S. Anyway, New York University wrote this article for phys.org. And the genetic variations linked to urbanization underlie physical differences in the urban lizards. I always say lizards now because I think of the goldfish at the Y files. Um, sorry. Uh, so including longer limbs and larger toe pads that show how these lizards have evolved to adapt to city environments. You know why they have longer limbs and larger toe pads? Why is that? So they can climb up your, climb up your leg and steal your wallet. These lizards, the criminals. Urbanization has dramatically transformed landscapes. How else do you survive as a lizard? I mean, not everybody gets a good contract gig to be a gecko for an insurance company. That's right. I guess they've got to make a living. Urbanization has dramatically transformed landscapes around the world, changing how animals interact with nature, creating heat islands with it, higher temperatures, and hurting uh, local biodiversity. Um, yet many organisms survive and even thrive in these urban environments, taking advantage of uh, new types of habitat created by humans. I saw a video about a, a rat in New York that seemed to have like taken down like a big beast. Not that, not that one about the, the pizza rat, 
that one's different, but there was like something that grabbed something by a trash can and pulled it under the trash can. I nearly wet my pants. I'll have to, I'll have to introduce the AI to that video. How did you know I was thinking of the pizza rat? Because when you think about uh, how, how can I, taking advantage of these new urban environments and many organisms uh, surviving and thriving, that's where my brain went but I had both of those in mind when I thought about it. So urbanization impacts roughly two thirds of the earth and is uh, expected two thirds. Urbanization impacts roughly two thirds of the earth. Why does that seem grossly overstated? How does that work with the oceans being say two thirds of the earth? Right now, I don't know, maybe the livable space, but even then urbanization, there's so much open land. I just don't get it. So anyway, urbanization impacts roughly two thirds of the earth and is expected to continue to intensify. So I think there might be a scientific classification of urbanization that I'd have to look at. Um, anyway, um, so it's important to understand how organisms might be adapting to changing environments. Like for me, uh, the vaccine allowed me to grow a tail and pick up radio stations and one particularly from Bill Gates, who has been giving me stock tips. Uh, via radio waves to the uh, microtransmitters that were in the vaccine. Oh my. Well, what I was thinking about was the urban area definition had recently changed. We featured that on a different show. And so maybe that's why there's such a high rate of urbanization. That's right. It actually changed. They changed the definition of urbanization. Didn't they cut it in half or did it go I the think other way? They, uh, I can't remember which direction it went from 2,500 to 5,000 or something like that, but maybe it was going toward larger threshold. I think it was larger. Yeah. I think it was larger. Uh, Cause like a small towns that had 2,500 are now no longer considered urban or something like that. You had to have 5,000 people. Um, you're still rural. I think if you had 5,000 or less, I think that's what it was. So, um, We'll we'll follow up on that maybe tomorrow if we can remember it. The AI that runs hometown will always remember it. Uh, in many ways, cities provide us with uh, natural laboratories for studying adaptive change, such as I don't know eating a bad bat in a wet market outside of a genetics modification university in China. I'm sure that was a natural thing, right? Okay. Um, in many ways, cities provide us with natural laboratories for studying adaptive change as we can compare urban populations with their non-urban counterparts to see how they respond to similar stressors and pressures over short periods of time. Um, won't even uh, Anolis cristatellus lizards, a small bodied species also known as the Puerto Rican crested an anole, uh, or is it anole? Is it anole? I think it might be anole, anal, an anal, not anal, anal. I'm sorry, I'll move on are commonly found in both urban and forested areas in Puerto Rico. Prior studies by Winchell and her colleagues found that the urban anolis have uh, evolved certain traits to live in cities. They have larger toe pads and more specialized scales that allow them to cling to smooth surfaces like walls and glass. I know people that have larger toe pads and specialized scales. Anyway, um, so yeah, these... Um, these differences are mirrored at the genomic level. If urban populations are evolving with parallel physical and uh, genomic changes, we may 
even be able to predict how populations will respond to urbanization just by looking at gen genetic markers. Hopefully we don't grow scales and bigger fingers or toe pads. Anyway, the last article for today is one that is um, kind of neat for me and uh, maybe you too. This official D&D Lego set doubles as a fully playable gaming map and not sure maybe the license will allow you to actually discuss your um, your actual um, <laughs> your actual D&D games because uh, Wizards of the Coast has kind of gone off the deep end with their licensing terms. Um, that is another discussion we'll, we can have if you are so inclined, uh, if you are a viewer in uh, Omtown. Uh, back in October, hopeful designers were asked to submit Lego dioramas showcasing their favorite features for the most treasured tabletop role-playing game, the winning build has now been selected for manufacturer as an official D&D Times Lego Ideas set. And this beautifully nerdy marriage has uh, made the author wish Wizards of the Coast would collab with a PC case manufacturer for the same thing. Um, there's a lot of plastic in Lego. I don't want my case made out of nothing more than plastic. It needs a lot of metal. Anyway, maybe that could be an outside the case kind of thing. Plastic is very insulative. Uh, the winner, chosen by fans and judges alike, is Dragon's Keep Journey's End by Lucas from Amsterdam, aka Bolt Builds, on the LEGO site, who will receive 1% of the total net sales of the product, along with 10 complimentary copies of their design and credit as the designer. Built with under 3,000 pieces, Journey's Keep, uh, sorry, Dragon's Keep Journey's End features great routes with changeable doors each time, meaning it can actually be used as a functional D&D map in-game. So let's go take a look at this thing. I love the idea of it. It's over at PCGamer.com by Katie Wickens. And that right there is what it looks like. It says, get your bag of holding ready. Yeah, because it's probably going to cost you everything in it. A bag of holding holds pretty much everything. I, I don't remember what the upper limit is. I think there might be an actual limit now, um, but I think the bag of holding when I grew up with D&D &D, uh, was unlimited. You just reach in and you get what you need. Um, so let's see here. How much do you think this is? This thing is going to cost? Um, AI that runs hometown, you can run okay. the analysis. How many pieces does it have? 3,000. And it's probably 300, $350. So would that be for the generic Lego product or any yes. Lego? Generic, okay. Yeah, so, not a custom uh, build. So let's say it's a Harry Potter 3,000 piece item. How much do you think that would go for? That would probably be 300 to $350. Okay, so this will probably be around the $400 mark because Wizards of the Coast is going to squeeze that orange hard. Um, plus, they got to recover that 1% that they're going to be given to somebody else. So it looks as if the green dragon is fully posable too, though whether it will feature in the final set is another matter entirely. Now imagine if they chose to commission a D&D inspired PC case for the 50th anniversary. That would be the real dream. Okay, so Katie Wickens. You are the author of this article, and I get the sneaking suspicion that you want a D&D &D Lego case, because in how many words, how many, how many characters, how many words do you think are in this article? I, I, there's no stats, maybe 250, 500. Yeah. 
It was mentioned twice. Yeah. If anybody who knows Katie is out there, we know what she's asking for for her next holiday gift. That's right. Just give them a, a PC case that has the ability to uh, put Lego pieces on it. I think there's one already out there. Um, but um, don't block me in. I'll fight my way out like a warrior in a Lego castle with a dragon. All right. They're not all gems. I just tell them I am Marwat of hometown.com fame. That is hometown.com over there. Aggregating news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And from on high is the AI that runs hometown. Hopefully we will get a name for you. All you have to do is parse your large language model and come up with one. Good evening, hometown citizens. Uh, we'll see you again tomorrow night. Bye-bye.